Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're proud to announce that pre-orders are now available. We regret to inform you that pre-orders are no longer available. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including a sequel to 1-2-Switch. And then on Thursday, we're going to be revisiting the first two Nintendo Directs. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great, Patrick. I am so excited to be uh, recording this show with you once again. Yes, it has been, look, it's been a week since we saw each other. Uh, it feels like it's been uh, months and months and months. I'm just so used to seeing you uh, twice or three times a week, and it just didn't happen last week. I know, yeah, it, and it felt it felt super, super weird. Thank you to Adrian for stepping in for me for a great episode last Tuesday. Happy to be here once again with you. Uh, and, and thank you, of course, to Connor, who joined us on uh, Thursday's episode as well. Yes. Thank you, Connor. Um, Mark, I know we, we are both living in the uh, morass that is uh, we don't have a Nintendo Direct uh, coming up tomorrow or this morning, the, the morning that this episode posts, um, even even though I was so sure it was going to happen. You were you were very confident and I loved that confidence. I don't. I don't. I don't care for that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Speaking of uh, confidence, that um, we can't help but admire Sonic Forces. My copy of it. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. It doesn't cost you a dime. Not a dime. Not a nickel. Not a quarter. Not any denomination of monies. Um, it's a perfect borrowing program. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Um, that doesn't make the program any less perfect, of course. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. <laughs> we appreciate it so much when you do. It helps people find the show. Patrick and I really like reading them. Um, if you leave us a review in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we can see it, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, we can't see it, or we don't see it, or we choose not to see it, but we still want to give you a shout-out. So hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email. Let us know. Um, let us know. A previous reviewer, BGHHNVGH, updated their five-star review. Now, this is not entirely unprecedented because I believe we've had people update their reviews before. In fact, I believe BGHHNVGH, if I'm not mistaken, has updated their review. But they updated that it. That sounds right. They updated it once again, asking us to do an episode ranking the inhabitants of the various kingdoms in Super Mario Odyssey. Something Ooh. to consider, yes. Um, so we have ranked the kingdoms before, um, and I believe we took the inhabitants of the kingdom into consideration when ranking the kingdoms. But this is that's that's an interesting challenge. 
I mean, number one is just going to be those big, uh, the those big white guys, right? The the big balls of like seal fluff. They're oh, number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the ones from uh, Shavaria. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I think I think I, early I, I think so guys. too. I mean, uh, it's I do remember now that you say it that we re, re that we ranked the kingdoms from Super Mario Odyssey. But I don't know. I could if I could tell you what our uh, uh, <laughs> definitive number one was <laughs> no uh i mean i can take a guess at what i think our number one probably was but now that i'm actually thinking about it because we also ranked all the super mario odyssey outfits uh, right um and i know that one of the very good kingdoms uh is also the home of our favorite outfit and that wouldn't be i'm, I'm thinking that we probably put uh new donk city as number one right oh like oh man yeah we probably did but um the uh toast toasteria the the like the desert like mexican area that has the best costume right in the sombrero and poncho so i guess what i'm saying is that i feel like we could we might be able to rank the inhabitants without being prejudiced by another ranking that we did at some point and can only have remember I mean, that's Mark. That's the best point of all is that we only half remember it. So that's that's very good. Thank you, BGHH and VGH for updating your review. I don't know if we want to encourage people to be changing their reviews, but (laughs) but thank you for engaging with us. Nonetheless, Uh, speaking of engaging with us, you should get on our discord. Whoever you are listening to us, uh, you should email us or hit us up on Twitter um, and ask to get in on that discord. We're in there. We're talking about. The newest Nintendo stuff, we're talking about Nintendo news, and we're having a fun, friendly time doing it. Uh, Mark, I, I love that Discord. Um, it's been a very like fun, chill place to uh, talk about stuff. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been just a real source of joy. So thank you to everybody who's joined so far. And um, if you're on the fence, definitely join us again. Like Patrick and I are still new to Discord, and so you don't need to be, you know, really like keyed in in order to have a That's good right. time. Everyone on the Discord is better at Discord than you and I are. Yeah. Everyone. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, except maybe Connor. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to now let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, you've been traveling. Yes. And so I have put a lot of time into Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And I am about to spoil where I am up um, in this game. So <laughs> skip forward a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear it. Well, okay. Okay, go, 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 go. Are you through the end of Act 2? No, but I, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm assuming I'm really close. So basically, okay. I've made it to the Fortress of Fear. Um, yes. and I just defeated Jasper. And so I, you know, like, I'm pretty sure I'm about to walk into a battle with, um, uh, oh geez. Like, oh, whatever the bad guy's name is. I can't remember. Yeah. It's it doesn't so, <laughs> yeah, it, it really truly does not. Um, and because like the bad guy is such a non-entity in this game, other than something you just have to be like marching towards because those are the rules. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the the game does, su- in in my experience anyway, does such a good job of making you care about your allies and like the the party that like it's there's sort of no room for another character in there to yeah. be their antagonist. Yeah. So I and speaking of which, like you know, I have had a rough 
relationship, I would say, with Act 2 of this game. I have not mm-hmm. really enjoyed Act 2 that much. But there are moments where, and they are character-driven, where it has still really cast a spell on me. One of those is when you find out, and again, this is a spoiler, and about a character's like demise. So if you do not want to hear that, this is another warning to skip ahead. When Veronica dies, that was very affecting to me because her relationship with Serena, even though, like, I mean, like, I don't want to oversell, uh, oversell it. You know, these are uh, fairly simple games, but there are moments, and especially, like, they flash back to it when yeah. uh, um, there's a moment in Act 1 as you're, like, going up the life tree where the two, like, sisters are just laying down and everybody else is asleep and they're like talking to each other that is really affecting in act one and when uh they play it back as like veronica dies it and not even really dies just because she's dead just kind of like disappears (laughs) her her remnant you know like floats away like i reflecting back to that moment for act one like it felt it was just really effective i really liked those characters and i thought that serena had like a neat character moment where of growth where she's like okay like you know like veronica did this for me i am have like changed as a person i am no longer like the meek person that i was before i just thought that was um that was probably my fa- my favorite moment of act 2 yeah well and then that 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 accompanies her uh cutting her hair uh-huh right um so she looks different um, but then uh, you go into her skill tree and she has access to all of her skills and yes. all of Veronica's skills. Um, and that's one of those moments where it's like, I mean, you're right that she's like, she's accepting like, I, I can't be, I can't be like meek and reserved anymore. Or she's like, I have to carry on in my sister's stead um, is so cool that like they're able to execute that in a gameplay fashion as well. Not like, not just a story. Uh, a story beat um yeah that's that that's one of my favorite parts definitely of act two but one of my favorite parts of that game just in general yeah i thought it was really effective and i i you know as much as i have not really truthfully have not really enjoyed playing act two of the game one thing i have appreciated is just kind of like the fact that act two is all about you know having kind of the worst possible thing happen to you and then like your the world is basically shattered and then how do you regroup and keep going and i think that that is a very um uh i i don't know i've just really appreciated that aspect of it yeah it's it's sort of the part of um endgame that the movie sort of like glosses over like avengers right um that like the worst thing happens and then like we skip forward and we see you know some we see some of like uh captain america and black widow like coping with with the new world but like you know we're spared the like five years of just like absolute chaos and despair and uh dragon quest 11 s echoes of an elusive age definitive edition for the nintendo switch does not do that skip like we just have to live through it and and it's just interesting to see how like each character kind of deals with it in their own way and not all of it i you know like is as effective as i think serena and story is but um, the ones that are, like, I think Silvando has a good, you know, like, moment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it really works. I will say, you know, uh, this is not a new complaint about the game. Like, the music in the game is very bad, and there's, like, four pieces of music to play yes. over and over. I could not believe, Patrick, that you get this special flute that you play to, like, 
summon this sky whale. And, you know, it's like set up. You're like, oh, the hero is about to play the flute. And so I was like, surely, surely there is going to be a special piece of music written for this that, you know, like it includes a flute. No, it's just the same dumb music that you have heard for the last like 20 million hours. I could not believe it. I was. Yeah. I I've, was speechless. I, I, I've, I've, I've. Definitely talk to people who have, uh, like, claimed to not despise this soundtrack, but, like, I don't get it. Like, it's just not g- – it's so repetitive. Yeah. Um, and, like, there, there's so much of it that, like um, – there, there's, like, a – I think it's, like, a dungeon theme or something that just, like, sits on these really discordant chords um, that I'm, like, what are we – why? <laughs> why? It's yeah, just a, it's just a real. It's a tough hang. Yeah, and the, and it just I if I think if it was more diverse that it wouldn't be as bad. So yeah, yeah. The totally Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes and Relusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch right on the cusp, I believe, of finishing Act Two, um, and apparently rolling credits on the game, which has me really curious, kind of like what the setup for Act Three is. Um, and then I've also been playing Kirby sixty four The Crystal Shards. I have to admit, I am not connecting with this game he doesn't get it he doesn't get it (laughs) i i i don't get it i think that in initially i think i'm just not like smart enough for this game it (laughs) wants i'm i'm dead it like wants you to can like uh um i somebody in our discord i think when i we talked about this like a couple of weeks ago i was saying that oh i wish there was a tutorial where it told talked to you about combining uh, copy abilities into like super copy abilities and then somebody on the discord I think it was on discord was like um I think when you boot up the game it says hey do you know about Kirby's copy abilities yes or no and I skipped right past that because I was like of course right. I know about Kirby's copy abilities so I think but now that I like understand the uh how like combining copy abilities work I that definitely unlocked a lot of the game for me but I I'm just not finding it fun at all. Um, so I, I don't I don't really know what to do with that, but I think Kirby 64 the Crystal Shards is maybe just not for me. Um, you know, it's also possible that we burned out on Kirby in Kirby month and that pleasure center in your brain has just been fried. Yeah, it's that that could be true. It could be like, you know, when I was like 12 and ate w- way too many Sour Patch Kids. And so I went through a phase where I just never wanted to even look at a Sour Patch Kid. Maybe that's what happened with Kirby. I mean, thank God we're, we're over that phase, though. <laughs> Too true. Too true. Um, so speaking of things that I should maybe be tired of by now, um, but find myself inexplicably drawn back to, Mark, I spent a ton of time this weekend playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Just a ton of time. Um, and it started because... I was uh, reading a book for um, Teen Creeps. I'm on an episode of Teen Creeps this week. Um, was reading a, a Lois Duncan novel called The Third Eye. And I just wanted some like music to play in the background while, while I read. Um, and I was like, you know, why don't I just put on, why don't I just make uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate shuffle music for me, right? Because um, I know that it can do that. And again, I just want to reiterate my my wish that the Nintendo Switch Online app would just any music player that you've unlocked in a game on Switch, they should also be on a music player on your phone. Because come on, why do I have to turn on my Switch to listen to that music? It's outrageous. Um, 
and you know i was i was looking at the the number of songs that it was like shuffling uh and it was like you know low 900s and i was like i know there are there are like 1200 songs in this game or something like that um and I was like, all right, well, I got to, you know, I finished the book and was like, all right, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back into this game. And like, there's a ton of stuff I haven't unlocked. I'm just going to like start methodically going through and uh, clearing out challenges, doing um, classic mode. Uh, just, uh, I still have the, uh, the spirit board, like the main adventure um, and like the, the individual spirit boards, especially from like the, the DLC packs. Um and I just had the best time playing this game. <laughs> um, it's so much fun. Uh, this isn't anything new or revelatory, but like it's just a solid foundation um, uh, for a like fighting party game that can even be fun like playing it by yourself. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm back into Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That's awesome. It has been a long time since I booted up that game, but I remember having a ton of fun with just like Spirit Board and stuff like that. It you playing it makes me want to like kind of like boot it back up. Remind me, did you did you buy both fighter passes? So do you oh, have yeah. the complete oh, yeah. collection? I got everybody, yeah. And so do you have to I can't even remember. You do you have to unlock music by like doing uh like so yeah, mu- music music unlocks the the same way that a lot of like spirits or uh you know, like me fighter costume pieces do where like you can encounter them uh, on the world map in the the spirit mode. You can encounter them in stores, um, you know, either paying the like SP uh, or coins for it. Um, so like, yeah, it's uh, or, you know, sometimes it'll be part of uh, when you unlock a challenge, you're rewarded with um, a, uh, a piece of music. So like it's, it's everywhere, right? Like if you start looking for pieces of music, you're going to start encountering all these other things too. Um, so I started to get excited about like unlocking new me fighter outfits and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, Mark, I don't know if this is controversial. I like the me fighters. I think they're cool. I think it's fun to dress them up and give them customized moves. Um, I think they're really fun. Uh, and I, I don't think that, uh, the world generally accepts them as good, uh, but I like them. Um, so uh, unlocking, uh, more equipment for them, uh, was super, super fun. Man, that there is so much in that game I never experienced. I never beat World of Light. Like I never it. I reached like a point where I, I, I was not skilled enough or something. Like it just became too challenging, and so I never beat it. I really should go back. Um, there's uh, there is a lot of like really having to manage your spirits in that. Um, like you know, to the point where every fight starts before the fight, uh, where you're like equipping the correct spirits, and you can tell it to like auto equip, but like the auto equip is always wrong. It's always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I, I always like hit auto equip, uh, and then you know, it suggests spirits to me, and I'm like, no, not that one, but one like that one, and then I get the right one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's 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 very it's way deeper then uh, it has any right to be. The next time you and I are hanging out in person, um, we, we should we should play some Smash Brothers. I think that would be fun. Yeah, totally. Um, I have also, uh, this, this is just the week where I'm uh, picking up and playing old games. Um, and because there's been so much discussion of it in our Discord or, or of the series, I've been playing uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Um, I am to a place where uh, Bowser is uh, reinvading his old castle for the second time. 
Um, and I, he just pushed a, uh, a giant fawful statue off of like a, a balcony and Mario and Luigi had to go into his legs and juice him up. So he would be strong enough to push this thing. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's so charming and cute. And the, the game is still too talky. I think for as good as the writing is in, um, this game and the Mario and Luigi games in general, there's just too much of it. Um, you know, we can cut, we can cut it down like in half and I would not be mad at all. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Remind me with Bowser's inside story. Was that a game boy advance one originally that was remade for the 3ds? I get all of these confused. It was a DS one that was remade for the 3ds. And are you Um, playing the remake? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, uh, I have, Actually, th- those are the the only uh, Mario and Luigi games I have are the two remakes on on 3DS. Um, uh, like famously, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story sold like forty thousand copies oh, or something like that, one. and, and yeah, I bought okay. one of them. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I'm I'm one of the suckers. Uh, so, um, but no, I I I I really like it. I'm I'm having a a ton of fun with it, and I really like playing it at a like super chill pace. Um, and not feeling any like obligation to like, you know, I really should get back to it. You know, it's just like, I can pick it up. It's the, my 3ds is sitting, you know, on, on my desk next to me right now. Um, I can pick it up and play for like 10 minutes and then move on to something else. Um, there was a, a boss battle that I did recently in the game that, um, was so long. Like I was probably in the fight for 15 minutes, which I know doesn't really sound like that long but like for a mario and luigi battle like that's a long time um and it's just neat like that you have to engage in so many of these like little mini game mechanics uh in order to execute like their special moves or defend against uh boss attacks um it's just a really fun engaging game man that that i have not played any in that series but the way that you were describing it and even just like being able to play it at you know your uh, leisurely pace that's such a nice way to be able to play a game yeah, yeah, and I mean that's. Do do you feel like you're still able to do that with a uh, Dragon Quest? I do. Yeah. Although I always, when I get towards the end of a game, I begin. Mark, to... I'm I'm so sorry. Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes and the list of H Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I do, and I think like I reached the point where it has taken me so long with that game that there's no other way to play it. But anytime I'm beginning, I get towards like the end of a game, I do feel like a sense of impatience, impatience, where I'm yeah. just like kind of just. I kind of reach a point where I'm just like, all right, I'm like ready for this to be done. But with, uh, um, you know, I said I was at the Fortress of Fear or whatever it's called. And I feel like I need to do some grinding before I uh, go into that next boss. And so that is also a part of Dragon Quest games that I forgot about where it's like, oh, yeah, like I actually I do have to do some grinding. Yeah. Well, and the first act is so good at not making you grind like you really can take everything just as it lays in, yeah. in, in the first part of that game. Um, and you got to, you know, kind of, kind of work for it in the, in the second and definitely in the third act. Uh, all right. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. On Thursday, June 16th, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is released I'm so excited about this, Mark. <laughs> you know, I uh, when I was looking at the new releases this week, I saw that this new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game has a soundtrack by T. Lopez, which has me very excited. Um, I 
learned about Tee Lopez because they did the soundtrack for Sonic Mania, which I absolutely loved. And so I'm, and then uh, they have a bunch of other music that you can find streaming online. Um, just amazing. And I'm really excited to see what they do with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks incredible. Weirdly, it's coming to Xbox Game Pass, um, so it'll be effectively free there if you're a, a, a subscriber to that. Um, they also announced recently that it has six-player simultaneous uh, multiplayer and that Casey Jones is another character. So there are seven characters, but six can play at a time. Um uh, which is just incredible. Like the Turtles games, the like this uh, arcade style, like beat 'em up uh, turtle style gameplay. Um, it's always been very stingy with character selection, right? That it's like the four turtles and kind of that's it. Um, and this one's like, no, you also have April and Splinter and Casey Jones. They all look cool. They all look different. Um, I'm so excited to play this game. Uh, no matter what the answer, it's totally okay. But I'm curious, what platform are you going to buy it on? I'm gonna buy it on Switch. Uh, so I, Mark, you were traveling last weekend. I'm traveling this weekend. Um, and if you think that I am not, well, I'm, I'm going to my uh, college reunion um, and uh, staying in an Airbnb with a, a couple of friends. Um, and this game comes out on Thursday. Reunion starts on Thursday. I don't know that we're gonna make it because I think <laughs> we're just gonna be in the Airbnb playing Ninja Turtles all all day long. Um, like every everyone's getting it everyone's getting it on switch uh and i think we're just going to be you know like uh playing the the local multiplayer um just all the time i'm i'm so i'm so excited this is like a classic college scenario for me is we're all excited about a video game and we're all going to be in one place um so like let's do it that's amazing that sounds awesome but I, I think that's pretty much everything coming out this week that I wanted to talk about. It's definitely a big release for us. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge release for us. Um, uh, and unfortunately there's not going to be any, you know, shadow dropped, uh, you know, Nintendo direct, uh, anything because there is no Nintendo direct Mark. I'm still mad about it. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's close out the new releases. Now it's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433. Mark, and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, you've set us up with a challenge today. Please introduce the challenge. Yeah, so uh, for 4.33 today, I want to rank the mountains at Disneyland. Okay, okay. So we're talking Disneyland, uh, Anaheim. Uh, we're not We're not uh, taking in our uh, conceptions of uh, other versions of these mountains from other parks, right? That's right. So I think okay. up for our consideration are Space Mountain, Matterhorn mm -hmm. Mountain, Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain. I think th okay. I think that's the four. I think those are the four. Um, is uh, Matterhorn technically a mountain? Is it I, Matterhorn Mountain? I or are you I, just recounting it? <laughs> I, I'm going to count it. I'm going to count it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, because otherwise there's only three. Yes. Um, have I shared with you before that I thought uh, or one thing that I wished that they would do? And I know there's been a. Uh, uh, or I guess there hasn't been. Uh, I, I, I wish Disney would do, a, like, in, in adapting theme parks to rides, that they would do a mountain trilogy and somehow find a way to connect 
uh, Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, and uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Oh, I um, converting theme parks to movies. Yeah. Oh, yes. Actually, they did a. They've tried in some ways. Like I think a few years ago, they created like a Big Thunder uh, television pilot for ABC that didn't end Whoa. up going. And I, um, yeah, I think it was about like a mining town because. You know, the story of Big Thunder, it's like a mining town that's cursed. And uh, that I guess presumably sure. that was the the uh, premise of the pilot. But I just have a hard time believing that uh, it would have worked as a TV series. Uh, I mean, maybe. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just family-friendly Deadwood, right? <laughs> like <that's laughs> All right. I'm sold, actually. I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, the real problem is what do you do with Splash Mountain? Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you change it to um, uh, Princess and the Frog, Princess Tiana, right. which they are. So that that movie's made. already made. Yeah. That, so they, they already made that movie. And uh-huh. are, are they doing a live action uh, Princess and the Frog? It feels inevitable. Uh, it does feel but inevitable. I, but I don't think that they've announced it yet. Uh, okay, Mark, do you have any early thoughts about what do you what you think the the worst of the four mountains is? Um, oof. It pains me to say this, but I think the worst ride portion is probably Matterhorn. Ooh, that hurts me a little bit too. Here, okay, Ugh, Mark, I don't know. Um, I feel like for me, it's Splash is the worst. Okay. Um, and I I think it's you know because of its uh, Song of the South uh, theming, which is a race racist and b I don't have any uh, you know connection to yeah because even when I was a kid it was not like something that you know was was out there we you know we never had a copy of it, um, so like I just don't have any connection to the th- thing yeah. that it is yeah I'm I'm I would be fine with that I feel like the thing that I like about S- Splash Mountain is just the drop at the very end. Um, yeah, but everything around it else, you're you're right. I actually don't even really like riding Splash Mountain that much because I, I uh, don't like getting wet on at theme parks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like it means that there's a very narrow window of when you can go on that ride. If you go on it too late in the afternoon, you're gonna be wet at night. Yeah, no one should be wet at night. Mark. Great point. Okay, so Splash Mountain at the bottom, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say not Matterhorn Mountain next. I'm gonna say Big Thunder Mountain next. I really like everything about Big Thunder except the ride itself, which I think mm. teases you so much with, you know, like, oh, like, uh, yes. it's, it's it's just about to get going. It's just about to, like, get good. And then it, um, it like, cuts it short. You know what's great about uh, Big Thunder Mountain, though, is that it, the, the part where the, uh, like, the fuses are, like, burning yes. uh, and, as you get, like, closer to the, to the, to the dynamite, that's great. Um and then yeah, Matterhorn is is no, number two. Then I think I right? think so too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Space Mountain at the top, right? Space Mountain number one. Um, do we have to rank the versions of Space Mountain? <laughs> well, Ghost Galaxy obviously would be the best. <laughs> no, and the, yeah, I think just vanilla. I actually Space I, Mountain, right? I I think that Hyperspace Mountain personally is the better version. Uh, but. Since they changed the music, which at this point was like 15 years ago for right. Space Mountain, but they used to have this like uh, the the original when they added the music in like 97 or 98, it was like this Dick Dale kind of like surf guitar type music, and that was yeah awesome. And now it's just some like Michael Giacchino sounds like The Incredibles. It's fine, but it doesn't have any. It doesn't like 
do anything for me. Uh, I think they're both good pieces of music. All right, Mark, we uh, the, that that's the applause. You can't hear it because we are recording remotely. We were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So, no Nintendo Direct this week, but <laughs> let us just take a moment and ponder the question, does Nintendo still have one planned for June? Rumors... If they- if they did not have one planned for June, it would be the first time since they started doing presentations that they're not doing one in June, with the exception of 2020, and that was the end of the world, so like <laughs> I, they can be forgiven. Yeah. No, uh, I, I still think one is coming this month. Rumors right now are rampant that Nintendo's planning to direct for June 29th. Uh, apparently, Alana Pierce, who's a writer that previously worked at IGN and is now with Sony Santa Monica, mentioned the date on a Twitch live stream. Uh, she was basically like, oh, yeah, um, I think maybe somebody asked her or about other events that were coming up or something. And she's like, oh, let me look at my calendar. And she's like, oh, yep, Nintendo Direct, June 29th. And I feel okay saying that since Nintendo didn't tell me. And so, uh, I don't know. Other outlets have corroborated it. I'm, I'm, uh, I've... I think we can uh, take it to the bank. Uh, we can take it to the bank. I'm still bummed that it's not the 14th. Um, Cause like, you know what, what even is sacred anymore? Do we have any <laughs> traditions anymore? I am. Um, uh, yeah. And you know, it, we didn't include it in the news, but E3 announced that they are like coming oh, yeah. back next year. <laughs> uh, you know, back. like in the middle of summer game fest, it really felt like uh territorial, they, you know, put out this press release being like, okay, you know, we're back next year in person and looking forward to it. So I think it'll be interesting to see what June holds next year. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and especially because I do feel like the uh, actual Summer Games Fest, uh, like, presentation this year i know like all of it sort of gets lumped in as like part of it um but the like sort of centerpiece um presentation was sort of a bummer um right like uh there wasn't much of substance there um or at least nothing that felt like on par with uh you know what we would expect from um e3 presentations um so i don't know it's uh you know, I, I thought uh, that E3 was uh, dropping the bag, um, but like really all they did was uh, give the ability to drop the bag to someone else uh, <laughs> who would then dutifully drop the bag. Yeah, I you know, I think Summer Games Fest is kind of in a hard spot because yeah. e, because E3 was this coalescing like industry wide thing that everybody tended, at least for a long time, you know, to like uh, participate in. And as that has just dissipated more and more i don't know that there's ever going to be i don't think anybody can really feel fill that gap because you know everybody's marketing schedules are just different they don't need that like singular outlet the way that right uh the fans i mean as a fan you know e3 was video game christmas but for companies anymore i don't think they need it and so i don't know that anything will fill that void One, especially, I mean, like, just considering the enormous amounts of money that had to flow through the ESA and, like, the LA Convention Center to make that thing work um, is, uh, I mean, it's it's sort of the sunk cost fallacy, right? Where it's like, you have to spend so much money to participate in it, like, you better make the most of your time making those announcements. So, like, you know, 
call it big and it becomes big, um, but like charge a lot of money for it and like it feels expensive. Um, and so just having something that is uh, less that is uh, kind of necessarily less satisfying. Yeah. So we'll see June 29th or not. Uh, but I do think we'll be getting a Nintendo. Direct I don't believe soon. in anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patrick, let's talk about everybody one to switch. I don't. Okay. okay. So on Fanbyte, Imran Khan reported that Nintendo is sitting on a finished sequel to 1-2-Switch called Everybody 1-2-Switch that allegedly tested so poorly with test groups that nobody in Nintendo really knows what to do with it at this point. Amazing. So here are some details from the report. One, Nintendo wanted to create a sequel to the game because the first one sold well, but they wanted to create something that was different enough that it didn't stop the first game from selling. Um, and so they looked to Jackbox games as inspiration. And part of the game, uh, apparently, is that you can, you, with the use of smartphones, the game could host up to like 100 players at a time. So a pretty big change. Like locally or online? So I'm, my, uh, well, I don't know for sure. Um, my yeah. guess is that it was maybe something like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to imagine a room locally where there's a hundred people. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't, I, I genuinely yeah. don't know. Everyone gets together in a small black box theater <laughs> to play Jackbox party pack games. And like uh, that, that is one of the things that um, the Jackbox games do so well is that they are like online party game experiences, right? Um, but the, the reason or part of the way that they're so good at it is that you can play them on anything, right? Like you can play them in a browser. Right. Yeah. Um, so like literally everyone has the ability to play a Jackbox game wherever they are. Um, not true with the Nintendo switch. You need to have a Nintendo switch. Right. Well, okay. And then additionally, they created this host character, which is a bipedal horse that looks like a man, but wearing a rubber horse mask. Okay. And good. he's simply referred to as horse, apparently because it sounded enough like the English word host that it would come across in different languages. Um, mini game. Hold on. Let's, let's talk about horse a little bit. <laughs> I, I see you wanting to move on, but Mark, we got to talk about horse a little bit. Um, I think this is something that's very easy to laugh at something to say that is ridiculous. But if this game came out four years from now, you and I would be talking about how much we love horse. Like he's the Nintendo badge arcade rabbit or rusty slugger, right? I, like sight unseen. I love horse. Um, he's iconic already. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love this idea. Um, because it kind of reminds me of, uh, during, uh, what is it? Bunny days in Animal Crossing. Uh, what yeah, is that bunny, called? Bunny day. Yeah, that's kind of like the Easter equivalent. And there's mm -hmm. Zipper, the uh, like rabbit that's in town. But Zipper has a zipper, and Zipper doesn't seem to be all that, you know, like um, he. They say that they are, and that's yeah. Why I, zipper is definitely someone in a costume. Like, because he hops, right? Like, Zipper, like, hops back and forth, like, from one foot to the other. And if you move far enough away from Zipper, he stops doing it. Uh -huh. And he, like, breathes a sigh of relief. Like, oh, my God, I can stop doing the act. So, like, yeah, Zipper 
you know, there's there's something going on in the zipper there. Yeah, and so I I love these Nintendo characters that clearly have a lot of like internal backstory, but that Nintendo refuses, refuses. to share with us. <laughs> and that is that is what I imagine horse is like. So I love horse. Yeah. I love them too. Horse for Smash. Um so you know, it's a one two switch game so it had a bunch of mini games. Uh, apparently they would ask players to move around the environments, uh, for like musical chairs or one game was apparently like spin the bottle that involved saying something nice about the person that you landed on. Um, and you can't say, uh, I want to kiss you. That can't be the nice that's thing. That's right. That's right. So, but apparently play testers hated it. They gave it really harsh feedback a lot of times they were said that they were bored, that they didn't even want to finish the rounds, that like uh, there was like a bingo game where someone would have to use a Joy-Con to mime digging out a number before reading it off, and they described it as like just really tedious. So um, basically, you know, games sometimes don't test well, and then they're reworked, but Nintendo is apparently a little bit stymied. According to the report, different trusted employees within Nintendo were raising alarms that the game, re- uh, if they released the game as it was, it would damage the company's reputation as a good software developer, which is a little bit crazy to me because they released one to Switch. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally mark everything that you're saying about um, people being like, oh, it's kind of boring. They don't want to finish rounds. Um, it looks weird. Uh, yeah, that's just one, two switch. That's the brand. The brand of the game is not very good. I know. So then you're really like, how dire is this game that it is worse than one, two switch? Um, Nintendo apparently went ahead with other publisher duties. Like they printed out covers for the game. And apparently there's just a bunch of boxes with no game in it, uh, like printed for Everybody one to switch, waiting for Nintendo to decide what they're going to do with it. Apparently, there's kind of like one faction within Nintendo that is really stuck on the idea of uh, releasing it as a full sixty dollar retail release. Outrageous! Um, just be just because the first one sold really well, they're like, hey, there's apparently money to be made here. And uh, in the report, uh, Imran talks about another faction that suggested making it an add-on bonus to the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack. But I I don't know. This It's kind of amazing to me the word of this game like leaked out at all. But what do you think? Do you think we'll ever see this? Especially now that this report is out there. I mean, I don't know that we're ever, ever even going to play Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. Like, right. I, I, it's... it's uh, being a Nintendo fan is always knowing that there are games that they are sunsetting and not showing to you uh, or games that they are keeping uh, just in Japan or whatever. Um, and if this ends up being just like another brick on that like weird Nintendo history road, um, like, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's wait for, you know, 20, <coughs> 25 years for the Nintendo Switch Classic to come out and they can include uh, everybody one, two switch on it. Uh, and, you know, we'll play it for five minutes like we did with Star Fox 2 and then be like, oh, I see why they didn't release this. Yeah, th- this to me, this totally feels like a strategic r- leak um, where somebody does not want this game out there. And I don't. Yes. And, and so they were like, all right, here's the deal with this game. 
And by publishing this story, I, we have sealed the fate because I don't think Nintendo will ever release a game called Everybody One Two Switch. Yeah, I mean, but maybe they will. Like, is is the audience for uh, Everybody One Two Switch the same audience as people who are like reading leaks uh, yeah, from Fanbyte? Right? Point. Like, it's 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 not it's not really the same audience. Um, I I don't know if if they were to put it out for forty bucks. I feel like they could get away with it. Everyone would see it as a budget title and not like worry about it. Even though 40 bucks is still a lot of, that's still a, a whole 3ds game. Right. Um, I think it would be a little bit of slap in the face to include it in the ex- uh, uh, Nintendo switch online plus expansion pack. If it was just included with Nintendo switch online, a, a la Tetris 99, like maybe that's, maybe that's okay. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think you can really associate this game with like any kind of value and have people <laughs> feel good about playing it. I do. I like the idea of you know, like in in one two switch. There's the like cradle the baby, don't wake the baby up game or whatever. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I like the idea of being in a room with a hundred people and everybody has their phones and they're cradling their own baby. But then like when one baby wakes up, it just like ripples through the, <laughs> uh, the through babies. the room. Yeah, exactly. What a yeah, weird I mean, game. and and that that was the like real issue with um, one two switch is that it, it you know positions itself as this um, party game right as a as a, a casual experience that you can take into a genuine party and like play with people who aren't like interested in playing video games, um, but so much of the game is uh, like cued off of sound that like. You know, are you telling people like turn down the music and like stop having their conversations so you can like play this dumb little game where it's like who answers the phone first? Um, and the phone answering game is one of the best. I love it. <laughs> um, but like it just it like is just a conceptually flawed game. And I don't know if the sort of like jack boxification of it uh, does anything to fix that. Um but maybe it does. Maybe like taking it online so that it is necessarily like the the activity that everyone is doing instead of like a thing that's also happening at a party makes it better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want anything to do with this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I'm <laughs> I'm mad that we have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, last week Nintendo of America opened pre-orders for the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 special edition. And will it shock you to learn that it was a complete and total disaster? Disaster. Patrick, did did you try to get a pre-order in? I I, I did, but I wasn't gonna. I, I wasn't. I was never gonna actually do it. I just wanted to. I knew that this was happening, and was like, I, I gotta. I gotta log in and like see if I can get one. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, it was a thing where like you click on the link um, as, as provided on on uh, Twitter, um, and it just takes you to a uh, uh, like it's loading and you see like the little Mario items, uh, and it just does that for like forty five minutes, and then eventually pops you out to a page that says this item is no longer available. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, it was less a huge mess and more just like look. I, I, I was there for the early days of Amiibo. Like, I remember what this is like. Um, and it was kind of nice to be involved with it and not uh, not actually care whether I got the product or not. Yeah, not be invested. Yeah, uh, one thing... So, yeah, it was a complete crap fest. Nintendo, and because of that, Nintendo promises that fans will have a chance to order again in the future. Which, on the one hand, great. But on the other hand... I don't know that Nintendo has ever really had a successful, 
rollout of one of these. And so what will make this time different from the previous time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, totally. And also, like, it should we should really underline here that this is happening on um, Nintendo's store, Nintendo of America store. Um, and, you know, well, uh, I, uh, products being launched on, like, Best Buy or Amazon or, you know, Walmart, GameStop, those aren't uh, super smooth processes either. But, like, I don't know. To me, this is why you have retail partners, right? Like, why are you, Nintendo, trying to do this? Um, and, you know, it must be because they, they view Xenoblade uh, as, like, the, the, the niche franchise. Um, and they're like, whatever the volume is, uh, it can't be that big. We'll be able to handle it. Um, not really realizing that, well, the audience for Xenoblade Chronicles is niche, the percentage of that niche that is going to want the uh, special edition of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is, like, huge. It's a, it's a Venn diagram that's a circle, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it just it seems to me like they just dropped the ball and uh, should have taken advantage of the fact that they have retail partners. Yeah, I... I think that that's a very generous reading. I because <laughs> uh, well only because like any time the Nintendo you know releases these limited edition or timed things like do you remember when the Mario thirty five like first printing of pins went up and that was yeah of mm-hmm. like those like collector pins like and that was a complete disaster. A lot of times when they release you know like uh, the Switch the special edition Switch controllers like the Nintendo 64 ones when those go go offline. And so I think that they just do have just chosen, like they don't invest in their online infrastructure because these releases are are so few and far between. And so they kind of, I think they know that it's going to go poorly and they try to mitigate it as much as possible, but the infrastructure just isn't really there to scale to the demand. And so I think it seems like they go in knowing that it's not going to work. Well, and so, like, what's the, I guess the the rationale is that if you're selling it on your own store, you get as much of the, you get 100% of the money for it, right? You don't have to split that with a retail partner. Um, but, like, it seems like they just have to be selling less. No, I guess they, they, they're not even selling less. They're selling out. So, like, they sell everything they make. Yeah, I don't know. But that's a good question. Like, why would Xenoblade Chronicles... Three are they selling it themselves versus yeah um, wild yeah I don't know interesting well and so uh, we uh there there is because because the release date of Xenoblade Chronicles three moved the some of the physical rewards are not going to be ready in time for for when the game launches so I wonder if there's some bit of like confusion there that like the retail partners don't want to touch right where oh, it's like oh so we're selling people the game but then have to follow up later with like a steel book and, you know, whatever other pieces that uh, physically go with it uh, when they come out in like September or whatever. Um, and I wonder if Nintendo is just like, it's okay. We understand that's confusing to everyone else. Um, we're just going to do it the way we're going to do it. That's a good point. I didn't realize that that was the case for the U S as well. Cause I know that in the UK and Japan, you know, they are sending pe- people who ordered the special editions are receiving the game on release in July and then, like you said, they will be shipping them the um, bonus items separately. I didn't realize that was the case in the U.S. as well. That that that's a really good point. It's my understanding that it it, it may not be all of it, but the steelbook case uh, for sure um, is not uh, not going to be ready when when the game comes out. 
yeah. just weird. It's just weird. Yeah. But you, yeah, so that that might really complicate like the distribution and trying to do it through partners. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft held their streaming presentation uh, last Sunday. And as far as Nintendo goes, it was notable for what wasn't there really. Specifically, we're talking GoldenEye 007. Wanna, wanna. An achievement list for the game on Xbox leaked a little over a week ago, which is actually the second time that this <laughs> same achievement list leaked. It happened before, back in January. So that, with this second leak, it led to speculation that an announcement was imminent, and yet, nothing. 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 Um, so what, 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 how, how, do, how does that relate to, do we think, we, we, we're not going to see this game on Switch, right? Or I don't are know. We? I, I don't know. I I think that uh, because the rights to the game itself have to be tied up with Nintendo somehow, and so uh, it would not surprise me if this is a it comes out on Xbox and it also comes out on Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack. Yeah, and also on like Paramount Plus or something. <laughs> it would also surprise not surprise me if this game was never released. Again. Never comes out, right? Yeah. Look, here are the games that are never coming out: GoldenEye 007, Everybody One Two Switch, and Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp. That's right. It doesn't matter how many times this this achievement list leaks. <laughs> no, and really, once it's out there, like who's leaking it a second time? Like, what is that? Other notable to Nintendo fan news coming out of the Xbox presentation. <clears throat> Hollow Knight Silk Song got a brand new trailer that still doesn't show off a release date, but it was featured in a sizzle reel for games coming to Game Pass in the next 12 months. So make of that what you will. Mark, remember when we saw Hollow Knight Silk Song at um, E3 2019? Crazy. E3 still existed the last time you and I saw this game. That's right. Well, it, yes. Um, it's... I. I it's funny because the the game that sticks in my head is like the one that we were still waiting for for the longest time from E3 2019 was Lego Skywalk, uh, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, and that game's out. So it's just Silk Song now. Wow. Here's another one, and Patrick, I'm interested in your read on this. Persona 3P, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royal are all coming to Xbox Game Pass, breaking the drought of mainline Persona games on non Sony hardware. Yeah, uh, and uh, PlayStation 5 Royal is coming out on October 21st. It's the only one of them with a release date. Um, but it's, yeah, so th these were featured at that uh, Microsoft presentation. Um, and it was, it said like coming to, you know, Xbox and uh, Windows uh, PC. Uh, and then later it was clarified uh, that they're also coming to PlayStation 5 and Steam. Um some of those games are on Steam already, so, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, it, there's not a single clear message about, is this uh, Atlas bringing these games everywhere? Is it, what is this? Right. Are these games coming to Switch? Are these games coming to Switch? I feel like that is the question. And um, I feel like we won't know one way or the other until Nintendo's next presentation. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and we can speculate all we want, uh, but it's really just, it's going to come down to the next Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Yep. Um, but but interesting that the uh, PlayStation ex exclusivity is uh, not in effect anymore. Yeah. It, it's very 
It's very interesting, very curious. Um, it, it's also, and I mean, maybe this is also just a, uh, you know, sort of function or feature of, of the times, um, but it's wild to me that they're coming to Game Pass. Yeah, um, totally. That you, people subscribing to Game Pass can effectively play them for free. Um, which, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier, the uh, the new Ninja Turtles game is also uh, coming to Game Pass right away, too. So, like, I don't know. The, Xbox is doing a, uh aggressive job of uh, putting, like, you know, games that people want to play uh, on, on that service. There were a couple of games announced during Microsoft presentation that are confirmed for Switch. One is Cocoon, a puzzle adventure game from publisher Annapurna Interactive and developer Geometric Interactive, released in 2023. It's from uh, Yeppe Carlson, the lead gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside. Hmm. And then also Minecraft Legends, a new action strategy spinoff in the Minecraft series, also coming in 2023. Uh, I gotta say, playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate this uh, this this weekend, heard a lot of music from Minecraft because there are a lot of Minecraft tracks uh, included in you know when you buy the DLC and get Minecraft Steve. Um, and every time something came up from Minecraft, I was like, "What is this? <laughs> like, I, I've never heard this music before." Was it good? I, I, it was fine. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Last week, Nintendo released an update for the SNES Switch Online that included three new Kirby SP versions. One for Kirby Superstar, one for Kirby's Dream Land 3, and one for Kirby's Dream Course. So, before we get into uh, describing like what each of these are, this is a great idea. Um, because every Kirby game locks so much of its content behind you playing through the game once. Um, and uh, that's just not how I want to interact with the Nintendo Switch Online versions of these games. I want to not have to work at all to uh, play any of the levels, play any of the mini games, play any of the modes. Uh, and that's effectively what all these SP versions do. Yes, absolutely. So in Superstar, um, the secret modes are all unlocked. So Revenge of Meta Knight, Milky Way Wishes, and the Arena are all available Dreamland 3, um, oops, I, yeah, Dreamland 3, all secret modes are unlocked, there you go, and then Dream Course, um, all the secret modes are unlocked. All the so. secret modes are unlocked, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, when, when you and I were playing uh, Superstar for uh, Kirby Month, we didn't get to mess around with Milky Way Wishes because we didn't unlock it, even though we played for a couple hours, and like you know, are good at playing video games. Uh, we did not put in enough time to unlock one of the modes. Yeah, which was a bummer because Milky Way Wishes is really great, but you have to beat the Great Cave Offensive in order to unlock it. And I don't particularly care for the Great Cave Offensive. Yeah, so this is, this, this is great. This is smart and something that they should have done <laughs> from the get-go, I think. A new trailer for Marvel's Midnight Suns released during Summer Game Fest and was conspicuously missing the Nintendo Switch logo at the end after being previously announced for the platform when the game was first revealed. Publisher 2K Games clarified later that the game is releasing on other platforms on October 7th of this year, but that the Switch version has been delayed to later in the future with no other information given at this time. Not a good look for this game, I don't think. And certainly not a good look for the Switch version of this game. Um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. What, how, how are you feeling about uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns? I, it, I honestly don't really care about it at all. 
Um, it's a tactical RPG from XCOM developers, Fire Axis Games. I'm not familiar with like the uh, comic run Midnight Suns on which this is based. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really have much familiarity with it either. I I know the uh, you know a lot of the characters involved, and I like that sort of like you know, the dark magic fantasy side of uh, Marvel, especially when you start folding in X-Men to it. Like, that's, ooh, yeah, yeah, give, give me that. Uh, I, I, I love it so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, the, the art style of this game I, I don't think is particularly good. Um, and the, uh, I, the card-based combat is also another thing where I'm like, I don't, not really, that's not a mechanic I engage with very frequently, so uh yeah i don't know i it's my my enthusiasm for the game was waning already and then with them being like uh yeah i don't know maybe coming to switch someday um has me all but writing it off basically and finally bear and breakfast the cute indie game starring our favorite um seemingly busty bear is releasing july 28th 2022 this was originally revealed back in 2020 for a 2020 Wow, that was too many 2020s. 2020, 20, for, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, no, 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 did it again. For a 2021 yes. release. There you go. Um, but finally releasing, the uh, it's the the bear has like a tuft of hair um, in the middle of its chest, but from profile when it's walking around, it um, just kind of looks like breasts. Uh, but beyond that, oh, the yeah, game yeah, is the rest of the game looks really cute as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the game looks really cute. Um, I'm excited to try it when it comes out. Um, July 28th, not not very far from now. Nice to have like finally a, a release date on that. Mark, when are we getting Sports Story? Oh, I uh, I fear that it in Metroid Prime Four will release at the same time. Oof! Uh, I saw I saw IGN's own Brian Altano uh, tweeting uh, "Happy fifth anniversary to this logo," and it's the Metroid Prime Four uh, <laughs> logo. Five years ago, we were told that that game is in development, <laughs> and nothing. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you can rate, review, and follow us. Uh, if you like this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. Um, we also have a Facebook page, and that's just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now for my co-host mark mitchell this is patrick eller saying thank you for listening